Now, today we're going to be talking to Jonathan Despinedick, who is the power of Sephora, um, a local Australian-based sales platform. And they do quite a lot beyond just being an opportunity for businesses to jump on board and have an opportunity to sell their wares. So how do you choose the best platform when it comes to selling your products as a business? What sort of questions do you need to ask them so you can hit the ground running and understand that your product will be displayed or shown the best that it possibly can? The other question we're going to be handling today is the whole buy now, pay later. Now, as small business owners, we know that that has been totally diabolically bad for the industry. Every small business who goes on board with one of these products, um, ends up paying through the nose and losing quite a massive amount of their profit to the opportunity. But the problem is that these platforms are so big, they're so all-consuming that you don't offer that as an option, then uh, you're, you may lose out on a huge share of the market. And that's where they seem to have got it. Now, Sephora is taking the bad boys on. And we're learning all about this new app, which is basically encouraging saving while spending, but also supporting small businesses along the way on their platform. Plus, as an added bonus, it's an Australian company. So how does it all work? Let's talk to Jonathan to find out more. Welcome to the program, Jonathan. Good morning, Alexi. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's great to have um, techpreneurs on the program. It's great to have people who have that foresight and that ability to really see a need in the market and fill the gap and then also, you know, use all of their prowess to create a piece of software that is accessible, usable and something that is um, that people want to use and find easy to use as well. So there's, there's a whole lot of skills wrapped up in that as a tech founder. Let's first of all start off with... Um, why is it that you are trying to solve that problem that's been caused by the buy now, pay later schemes? That's a really good question. We, uh, we were having a look when we first started this product uh, based on our own experiences. So myself, and my co-founders and other people involved. And we were having a look at our wider network. And we found that, um, especially in the kind of millennial age bracket, buy now, pay later schemes and kind of credit cards give you some sort of false sense of security that you can start to just spend whatever you do not have and pay it back later. Uh, the biggest problem that we saw with that is that a lot of consumers, um, it got away from them and they can't actually end up paying that, uh, that dollar value back. Uh, so they'll rack up all of this debt and it's like, oh, it's just an easy couple of payments of X amount uh, as it goes. Um, before they know it, they're missing payments, paying default and late fees. And those late fees end up being, you know, quite uh, quite a, a large amount in comparison to the interest they might pay on their credit card. Uh, and, you know, similarly on a credit card, it's the false sense of security that you have uh, money uh, and you're spending that money, but the interest is actually racking up. If you're paying the minimum payment, you're actually not paying your card off. You're just paying the interest plus a small amount. Uh, so we had a look at what uh, what we might be able to do. And we generated a platform that allows or encourages consumers to make smarter financial decisions. And one of those key things was to save up the products that you would like and then purchase them. It's kind of like a digital piggy bank um, lay-by system uh, where you can save up for whatever you want and then when you have the right amount of money, you can go and buy that product and it's all taken care of. When you were designing the product, did you think about the impact that it was having on small businesses and you know how the cost is not necessarily worn by the consumer, but it's actually worn by the small business owner because they pay to have 
with each sale, they pay a proportion to these large companies um, just for the privilege of having these products available to sell. Is that one of the problems you were trying to solve as well? Uh, that is something that we took into consideration. So we had a look at um, kind of the rates that these bigger players are charging and started to think about, well, how can we... Well, we still need to be able to fund the platform and make money from it. How can we actually make this more economical for them? Uh, how can we make the entry into this easier? How can we get them on the platform and advertise their product and reduce that cost of sale, basically, and essentially work with a kind of smaller Australian company at the same time? So if someone is trying to think about getting onto some sort of a platform, the, you know, you obviously think about the big boys and, um, and all of those uh, associated fees and charges and, and the hoops that you need to jump through. You mentioned that you're trying to make it easier for small businesses to get onto a platform like this and sell their goods and services online. What, if I was a small business owner and I was shopping around, um, what sort of questions do I need to ask to know that a platform like... Sephora or Amazon or eBay, how do I how do I compare one to the other in terms of an online platform for me to be able to sell my goods and services? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think some of the things that kind of tend to be hidden is looking for exclusivity clauses. So can I actually still participate in other platforms? Uh, what is the cost uh, of implementation? So does it cost me just to set this up uh, to start with? Uh, but also, you know, what are those hidden transactional fees that sit within that? So when you do sell a product through this platform, is it a straight percentage that I'm paying? Is there a percentage plus a transaction fee plus something else? Plus do I have to also participate in a marketing fee or just a pay-to-play pay to fee as well? Uh, so really looking at those. And then also, you know, what is the cost of getting out of that platform if I, if I want to remove myself from that platform? Is there an outlaw? Um, often there's kind of hidden fees. You know, if you do remove yourself, you need to pay back X. If you have hardware, which you often do with these buy now, pay later schemes, then you need to either replace that or pass it back to them or pay for that hardware as well. Uh, so then some of the things that we tend to, I would be tending to look at uh, in those contracts. I had no idea that there were so many, well, I mean, you know, it's a bit naive of me to think that there aren't going to be a million and one hidden fees um, and standardising. <clears throat> is, that, is that because we've got, um, people who are essentially monopolising the market and there's only two players and they're really just competing with each other. Therefore, if we don't have any small niche products coming up through the ranks because they can't compete with the big boys, then it means that we are ultimately going to end up paying more as a small business market. Yeah, I think if there's, if there's not a lot of competition there, then there's, there is that monopoly uh, and they have the ability to command higher rates and higher fees based on the fact that Yes, they are bringing customers uh, to your store or to buy your product. Um, so while while there there are those things associated, it still can be beneficial. But we've just got to look out for all these things to be a hundred percent aware of them. If you're listening to Small Biz Matters now, we're talking to Jonathan Despinadic, who is the CEO of Sephora, explaining what it is to jump onto one of these online platforms and sell your goods and services. Now, Jonathan, what's the major difference between me sitting down and creating an e-commerce site and getting my products and services out there through various social media platforms or paying for someone else to do that? Is it, it, is, is it as simple as that is that I'm saving myself the time and the effort to create my own platform and I'm just piggybacking on someone else's? Is that the real difference? Yeah, I think that there's a couple of different things. The first is, is hit the nail on the head is the actual creation of that platform. Um, so 
you know, you can build a relatively simple site uh, or online e-commerce store relatively extensively, but you still have to maintain it and upkeep it and make sure that it's working. And if you've got any flux of traffic, you've got to make sure that servers are all sorted out so they can handle that traffic. But I think also um, the, the benefit of engaging with um, an established platform in that case is you also tap into their distribution. So they are constantly, and I know we are, we're constantly trying to get out in front of our users. Um, we're trying to get more users all the time on the platform, uh, which means that you get access to those users and you can put your, your products and your information in front of those users without having to go and pay a lot, a lot heftier fees and test on kind of, you know, social media advertising and other advertising as well. There's also the back-end processes and procedures that you don't have to worry about, which is basically payment. I mean, I know from my experience dealing with small businesses who are literally saying to themselves, I need to start selling online, particularly in this you know, environment that we're trying to run a small business in at the moment. So many have had to pivot so fast to go yeah. from selling their services in a, in a bricks and mortar shop to online. And that speed of transition has been difficult. So you say to yourself, I've got to get myself an e-commerce site and you may build it and you may plug in all of these um, platforms that help you sell. But the really tricky part to me sounds like the back end, the payment services and trying to get people to pay you in a way that they feel confident that what they're buying is going to be protected but also that you can be confident that you're going to get paid. Is that one of the problems that a platform solves for you? Yeah, and there's a lot of there's a lot of complications there as well. You know, uh, you know, what payment methods do I take? What as a business, what merchants do I decide to actually work with? What are the fees associated with that? <clears throat> Excuse me. But also, um, you know, what happens when there is you know fraudulent charges on a credit card, or there's a chargeback because there wasn't enough money and you've already shipped a product? Um, the view of having a platform that can actually step in and kind of be that intermediary for that they should be solving all of those problems for you. So you know that if there's an order placed, they've taken care of all of those checks and balances, they're paying the fees associated and passing what's reasonable on, but then you can concentrate on what you do best in your business and that's hopefully make these products and sell these products to your consumers. It's kind of like what we've talked about so many times on the program. Work out what you're really good at and stick to that and think about outsourcing everything else because I'm sure that none of us as small business owners or very few of us have had, a, you know, a background in banking or payment services or even maybe not even necessarily dealing with credit card payments online. It's all that knowledge that we don't have innately and we need to know that it's going to work because, you know, it only takes one bad review or one bad experience that can really take um, your site down or really uh, bring bring you to your knees as a small business owner. Now, with these platforms, um, you mentioned that they take away a lot of the, the I guess, the owner, onus of marketing from the small business owner, but that doesn't necessarily mean you should stop marketing your product elsewhere, right? It, it, most of these places will say it's okay for you to also market um, on social media platforms or on your own website as long as you draw um, draw it back to us for the sales. Is is that something you can expect to see in the contracts? Yeah, I think so. And I think um, you, you would want to make sure that you can also uh, market your own products and pull in your own customers. Um, and whether that contract stipulates that they have to go through the platform you're using or they can still transact through your own method, uh, depending on what your setup is, um, that's kind of a decision that you need to make. But I think it's, it's unreasonable to expect that um, you shouldn't be able to market your own product as well. 
I think what you should be able to expect is that you receive insights and information as to the type of people that are buying your products from these platforms so that you can then go and market more effectively rather than kind of spraying and praying all over social media. You're able to actually take a game of this kind of person or this persona or user is actually buying my product or they're looking at it or they're dropping off. They're looking at the product and they're not buying it. And here's the insights that I can take to improve my experience, which sits on the other side of the payment portal. And that's something you should expect from one of these platforms, right? You should be able to analyse and break down who's buying the product, maybe even by demographic, maybe even by age group, um, whatever it is, you get to know your client a little bit better. It sounds to me like it's almost a good starting point for businesses because they'll gather all that data that otherwise you wouldn't necessarily be able to get on your own platform, on your own website. Am I right? Yeah, that, that sounds about right. And, and, you know, they've spent, and I know that we have, we've spent considerable, considerable amount of time and money uh, to be able to actually access that information, store it and sort through it to provide those insights to actually be able to say, well, these are the type of people that are coming to your store. These are the, you know, kind of products they're buying, this is the price point that they're buying or they're looking at it. We've got, you know, in our case, you know, we might have, you know, a number of users with your product sitting in their wish list, for example, and they just haven't saved up for it yet. Therefore, if you ran a special offer on these products, then it might actually make sense and you'll move a whole heap of product all of a sudden. Yeah, and that's the thing. You may just have, you may stumble on that perfect moment of sale and you wouldn't necessarily recognise that if you're not keeping such a close eye on the back end of your website to be doing those online sales. Is it ideal for people who are selling quite a small volume or quite a niche product or are these kind of platforms best for businesses who are looking at large volumes and inventory and, and all that sort of thing? I'm thinking of the mama and the papa, people that might be starting off in the markets. Is it a good place to start off if you've got a low volume? Yeah, look, I think I think they, they should and they can work across all sizes of, of business. Uh, and that's the reason, you know, especially why we exist, is to be able to take those products out to a wider market where, you know, if you are running a small niche product, you may not have the necessary money or, me, or other means or resources to be able to market, you know, very widely, you know, generate brand recognition and pull people into your store. Whereas the expectation should be that you can leverage these platforms to do so, even as a very small, small business and small, you know, producer of products or something like that. Yeah, it's a good point, isn't it? You, I mean, you got to, you've got to go into these contracts and these uh, and these situations with an expectation that you have to get something back, not just simply, okay, it's a platform. I probably could have jumped onto one of those free website building things and done it myself. You have to expect that traffic volume to go up and get all that data out of it as well. Yeah, and that's exactly right. I mean, I always approach contracts with, you know, for whatever I do is making sure that they're beneficial on both sides. So, you know, if, if it's just beneficial for you and not for them, then you have to question there's probably no motivation for that platform to actually push your products or kind of bring users into your store. If it's just beneficial for them and not for you, then there's no point in doing it, right? So, and I hate using this saying, but you kind of want to set up a win-win situation, right? Oh, absolutely. A win, more win for us than it is for the, yeah. uh, <laughs> exactly. for the big boys. Exactly. So um, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Roundup concept now. It's, it's part and parcel with what it is that you do at Sephora. How does a Roundup thing work for the, for the consumer, for our consumers, for our clients as small businesses? 
Yeah, Roundup's been around for a little while. So as a consumer signing up for a Roundup platform, um, it's as easy as connecting your bank account to those platforms. Uh, now, that's all handled uh, in a very secure manner. Nothing's actually ever stored. Uh, if, it, if it's set up properly, nothing's stored on those servers. It's part uh, encrypted with a token to the bank to confirm that you can access the transactional data. And that basically means that that platform, and I know for us, we will see the list of transactions. Our algorithm basically runs across that and says, right, every time you spend money um, with your debit card, then you have elected to round up each person's purchase to the nearest $1. So if you buy a coffee for $3.50 or if you're in Sydney, $4.50, <laughs> uh, then um, it will round up another $0.50, cents, taking it to $5. And then that $0.50 cents usually is debited from your account and that, uh, that amount of money goes into your digital wallet or your savings account. So who holds on to that money, just out of curiosity? Who, who has control of those funds? Because it sounds to me like you're as the consumer or as the small business client, they don't have that, um, ac- have they got easy access to those funds? Is that all wrapped yeah. up neatly in a, in a secure environment? Yeah, abs- absolutely. So it's really, really important to remember that money is always your money. Uh, it's the same as holding money in your bank account. It's your money, but it's held in trust uh, in a major bank. And so that money will sit there and you can direct that money how you should be able to direct that money however you want. And I know in our case, you can direct that, you can take it out straight away or you can buy something on a platform on uh, within the marketplace, which is a platform, or you can do other things such as kind of pay off uh, pay off kind of debts that are sitting there, so push it automatically to a credit card or personal loan or something like that. So you want to expect that flexibility there from these roundup platforms and you want to be able to have, uh, I guess, a visible and a really transparent view of what's going on with that little savings account. Uh, it's a nice way to bring the market back from an afterbay consequence that's really quite detrimental to the consumer um, and may not nec- it may be driving up sales for the small business owner, but I know that there's a lot of small business advocates out there that have great concerns about um, the amount of that it's costing small businesses simply to be part of such a program. So thank you for, um, I guess, supporting small business in this way and offering an alternative that is not evil. <laughs> did I say that? I just did. Um, look, thank you so much for joining us on the program today, Jonathan. How can people find out more about Sephora? Yeah, good question. If you go to www.sephora, that's S-I-P-O-R-A.com.au, you can check out the website and uh, have a, have a cruise through there and find out some more information.